The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. So very happy to have you here with us. And what a week, what a week it has been. Yesterday, well, after midnight, so today, Texas, my part of Texas, broke an almost 70-year record for weather for not only the latest snowfall in the season for Texas, but also for the amount. That's right. Yesterday evening, north-central Texas, just where I am, got hit with three inches of snow and parts of northern Dallas, which is about an hour away from me, south of me, got hit with almost five inches of snow. Now, I know if you are listening to the sound of my voice up north, you're saying, son of a bitch, I'd like to smother you in five inches of snow. But you got to understand, my friends, we're not used to it down here. We're not prepared for it down here. It doesn't happen every year. It doesn't even happen every other year. It doesn't even happen every 10 years. How far did this record that was broken go back? Back to the 1940s. That's right, 1947. So as you can tell, it is quite a ways in between 
that we get such weather. So we've all been snuggled up and staying inside and keeping warm and looking outside and seeing all the pretty snow with the layer of solid ice under it because we get more ice in Texas than we ever get snow and generally just keeping to our little selves. Also, I must say, it, since it is after sunset now, I hope you had an excellent Purim. If you celebrate Purim, I had a very nice Purim myself. And if you don't, you might want to get in on that. We've got cookies. Seriously. We've, we've got cookies. We've got cookies and alcoholic drinks. So if you like either of those, man, it's the way to go. As far as news around here, the uh, this week, uh, on Tuesday, we saw the beginning of the swearing-in of the jury in the Denton County Llama Paramutual Racing Payola and Corruption case that's going on here uh, in Denton County. And I don't know if you all are aware of this. If you are listeners of the Now You Know show, you've probably been following this along with the rest of us because the story actually broke here uh, a number of weeks ago. We were in the studio, Johnny and I, and we heard quite a noise outside. In fact, we were on air at the time, and some of our listeners were able to hear it. Uh, uh, police vehicles, emergency vehicles, and apparently there was a huge bust just across the street here from the studio. Uh, here in Denton, Texas, we are the repeater studio uh, for the main network. And we went out there, and apparently a Denton County Sheriff's Department was out there, and they busted a number of college students who were living across the street from us here at the studio. And apparently these college students had been keeping llamas that they had been smuggling in illegally into the country out of South and Central America, and they had been racing these llamas, paramutual racing of these llamas and taking bets, illegal betting, and they were running a, not only a, a llama racetrack, but also basically a, a booking joint uh, over there. And we thought that was the end of it, but apparently Denton County Sheriff Ray Stuckey, who was on the scene that night and actually uh, was in our studios uh, the next week uh, to speak to us a little bit, uh, was uh, has been indicted. Well, he's been brought up on charges, at least, uh, that he actually... Uh, has abused the power of his badge uh, to help protect this illegal llama paramutual betting ring and that he was receiving kickbacks. So long story short, uh, they issued a warrant for him. They arrested him. They took away his badge, gun, the whole nine yards. He's sitting uh, on bail, actually, right now, waiting for the trial. And so they then began to sequester witnesses, and they sequestered not only Johnny, uh, so I'm without Johnny now for this my second week without Johnny, but they also sequestered our own Wink Winkerson here from the LMC Radio News Desk, and uh, they've got them. I'm led to believe they have them in a suite or at least two rooms at the La Quinta here in town, uh, sequestered witnesses uh, to testify uh, in this court case. So we are now second week without Wink and Johnny, and we wish them well, and we hope they're listening in. 
Um, I, I don't really know if Johnny owns a computer to listen in, but I know Wink has a has has a has a computer. Uh, I, I believe he has a Macintosh from uh, 1995, and uh, they might have it there in the La Quinta with them, and they might be running it. I'm not sure, but if they're listening, we wish them well. Hope everything is going uh, fine for them. In the meantime, we continue to be privileged to have with us uh, just an incredible, incredible announcer, uh, a man of taste, uh, discernment, and skill. Uh, this is actually, he is actually the old weatherman uh, for, before LMC became uh, national and global, in fact, uh, when it was local, it did weather. And uh, this man has 45 years experience in the in the news game, and uh, of course I'm talking about Phil Patchy Fogg, and Phil Patchy Fogg is still with us this week, and will continue to be with us until Wink and Johnny come back uh, from this court hearing. Uh, so, without further ado, we're going to go right over to the LMC Radio Newsroom. Uh, if they're all ready here, it looks like they're ready. Take it away over there, boys. Glad to see you again, Patchy. Good evening. Today is Thursday, March 5th, the 64th day of 2015. There are 15 days until spring begins and 301 days left in the year. Today is the full moon for March known as the full, womb, full worm moon. The full worm moon was given its name by the Algonquin tribes from New England to Lake Superior. At the time of this spring moon, the ground begins to soften and earthworm casts reappear, inviting the return of robins. In some regions, this is also known as the sap moon, as it marks the time when maple sap begins to flow and the annual tapping of maple trees begins. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to have dental care done and to begin harvesting below ground crops which would of course include potatoes and peanuts. Once again, today and tomorrow are auspicious days to have dental care done and to harvest below ground crops. This week's weather folklore is snow in March is bad for fruit and grapevine. Today's highlights in history come to us first from March 5th, 1770, when the Boston Massacre took place as British soldiers who had been taunted by a crowd of colonists opened fire on them, killing five people. Also on this date, in 1868, the Senate was organized into a court of impeachment to decide charges against then-President Andrew Johnson, who was later acquitted. In 1933, in German elementary elections, 
the Nazi party won 44% of the vote. The Nazis joined with a conservative nationalist party to gain a slender majority in the Reichstag. In 1946, Winston Churchill delivered his Iron Curtain speech at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. In 1953, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin died after three decades in power. In 1955, Elvis Presley made his television debut on Louisiana Hayride, carried by KSLA TV out of Shreveport. In 1960, Cuban photographer and newspaper man Alberto Corda took the now-famous picture of guerrilla leader Ernesto Che Guevara during a memorial service in Havana for victims of a ship explosion. Also, on the same date, Elvis Presley was discharged from the United States Army. In 1970, the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons went into effect after 43 nations ratified it. In 1979, NASA's Voyager 1 space probe flew past Jupiter, sending back photographs of the planet and its moons. Today's birthday wishes go out to actor James Noble, who is 93. Actor Paul Sand is 83. Actor Dean Stockwell, 79. Actor Fred Williamston, 77. Actress Samantha Agar is 76. Actor Michael Warren, 69. Actor Eddie Hodges, 68. Singer Eddie Grant is 67. Rock musician Alan Clark of Dire Straits, 63. Actress comedian Marsha Warfield, 61. Magician Penn Gillette, 60. And rock singers Craig and Charlie Reed of The Proclaimers are 53. Our thought for today comes from American writer Helen Hathaway, born 1893, died 1932, who said, More tears have been shed over men's lack of manners than their lack of morals. Finally, the LMC News Desk wishes to give out a tribute to Miss Patsy Klein, Cowboy Copus, and Hawkshaw Hawkins, who died on this date in 1963 in the crash of their plane, a Piper Comanche, near Camden, Tennessee, along with pilot Randy Hughes, who was Klein's manager. This has been the LMC Radio News. We'd like to do another song for you. Of course, we always like to talk about our state of Tennessee, so we'd like to do this one and dedicate it to all the nice folks who like waltzes, called the Tennessee Waltz. I was waltzing 
my darling To the Tennessee walls When an old friend I happen to see I introduced her to my loved one And while they were walking My friend stole my sweetheart from me I remember that night And the Tennessee walls Only you know how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing That beautiful Tennessee walls Yes, I remember that night And the Tennessee walls Only you know how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing That beauty that was, of course, Miss Patsy Klein with the Tennessee Waltz. Up next. Aye, that's right. The lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my tongue in group of dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me, yeah? Oh, yes. And unlike the Nicholas Brothers, you need not just... Put your trust in goofer dust because we have got the lucky numbers for you. As always, this week's lucky numbers come from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and check it out? And the lucky numbers of the week are 16, 18, 20, 21, 37, and 41. Once again, this week's lucky numbers are 16, 18, 20, 21, 37, and 41. 
This is the second week for 18 and 20, so please keep an eye out for them and all of their rundowns. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 37, that's 357, 730, that's 730, and 827. That's 827. So we hope that those work out for you. And if you get the hit, remember where you got it from. Up next, the card of the week. The card of the week this week is the Ace of Diamonds. That's right, the Ace of Diamonds, a gift. Progressing out from last week's King of Hearts, this week we see the coming of unexpected gifts and small material gains. This will be a week of optimism and hope, even if just in small matters. A profitable time to plant seeds, both material and spiritual, and to finally start those projects you may have been sitting on. However, care this week against being cynical, scornful, or fretful. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the professor's pontification. Well, if we can ever get to it across all this cross-town traffic.
Oh, yes. That was, of course, Jimi Hendrix with Cross Town Traffic. And that leads us to tonight's professor's pontification. Tonight, our subject is getting along with the neighbors and keeping up with the Joneses. Every week, we have a little moment on the show where, well, they foolishly give me a live mic and let me express my opinions. And what I try to do here each and every week is discuss various things that I feel are important not only to our community, but to those people out there who are thinking about considering uh, mulling over in their heads becoming workers, spiritual workers, or those who are spiritual workers, as well as those who go to spiritual workers. In other words, I take this time each week to try and talk about all the things that I wish I had known then or somebody had said to me way back when or that somebody did say to me way back when that I'm making sure gets said again. Getting along with the neighbors and keeping up with the Joneses. This is, to me, a very important topic. Well, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't talk about it, now would I? For me, this comes down to part of the core of what goes on. A spiritual worker certainly can be an island onto themselves, and historically many have. At least so much in that they are a component of their community, and their communities have in the past been smaller than our communities are nowadays. Because we now have technology that expands our communities, and there's nothing we can do about that. It's all well and good to sit around and clutch your pearls and wring your hands and bitch and moan about, oh, this technology is destroying everything. But let me clue you in right here, right now, to the fact that you are on the wrong side of history when you do so. And it has happened time and time again before you, and it will happen time and time again after you. The Internet destroys everything. Cable television destroys everything. Television destroys everything. The raid moving pictures destroys everything. Radio destroys everything. The printing press destroys everything. Written literature destroys everything. The wheel destroys everything. Fire, it was good enough for my grandpappy not to have fire and I won't have fire in this cave. It's gone on before you. It's going to go on after you. Your great-grandson, when he's an old man, is going to say, 
digitally encoded liquid information has ruined everything. Uh, you'll never see me drink a book. And that's the way of it. But you're on the wrong side of history when you do that, because you're not relating to it. You're not saying, look, here it is. All we can do with it is try to use it in a safe, sane, intelligent, moral, ethical manner that benefits us, that benefits the planet, that benefits the environment, that makes us better and stronger rather than weaker, does exist within all of that technology, if you can find it and if you are willing to do it. So because of that technology, our communities are now far broader. My community is not limited to those individuals who I can physically leave my house, walk about, see, get in a car, a buggy, on a horse, and go to. My community stretches out into the electronic world. And you can poo-poo that and heft your nose up in the air and say it's not a real community. Well, except that's not true. That's just some judgment value. But because of this, and because we haven't sat down, and said, how can we best use this in a safe and sane, ethical, moral way that benefits us, benefits the world, benefits the environment, there are a lot of pitfalls that we have not yet figured out how to avoid, and a lot of ravines that we have not yet figured out how to bridge across. And so, Sometimes we end up with a kind of a set of psychotic responses, and they really get nasty. <clears throat> we have the idea that, first of all, we are besieged, because we are totally inundated by information. I mean, you know, information is literally at the touch of your fingertips now. And because we are inundated by that information, and because of its immediacy, we feel very much like it is real. Now, of course, it is real. Those incidents did happen wherever they happened. Just because the news came from Singapore doesn't mean it didn't happen. But we feel like it directly affects us immediately. And so sometimes what happens is people begin to feel overwhelmed, inundated, almost attacked or besieged particularly about culture, attitude, and lifestyle that is not their own. And the picket fence of aggression goes up as quickly as it can. And we say, fuck the neighbors. I don't want to get along with them because they're different than me. And if I could say that this was a phenomenon relegated to one group, one group, uh, let's say, oh, I don't know, white men over the age of 52 from this one county in Alabama, well, maybe we could do something about it. But it's not. This is across the board. So what happens is we start not getting along with the neighbors at all. In fact, we get very jealous of the neighbors. We get very aggressive about the neighbors, 
and we start saying, fuck the neighbors. And we say fuck the neighbors because we're absolutely positively sure that what the neighbors are doing is going to destroy our thing. Now, don't get this twisted. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there is not misappropriation. You notice I didn't say appropriation. I said misappropriation, which is appropriation in a negative manner. I'm not saying that there's not that. There is misappropriation. There is wholesale taking. There is thievery. There is misrepresentation. There is microaggression and outright aggression. All right? And there are lines that have to be drawn by communities so that communities can survive in the face of absorptive societies, societies that come in and absorb you, societies that come in and take you over and make you good Romans by taking your children away and teaching them Latin in Rome. That does go on. What I'm speaking of is something beyond that. What I'm speaking of is when people start saying, I refuse to be a part of the cusp of history and the cusp of the interaction of cultures. I am going to judge everyone by my yardstick. And because I'm judging you by my yardstick, I'm in charge. Now this happens, again, across the board. We see people in our community playing, how do I want to put this? They have God sitting on their shoulder. They become the doorkeepers, not of a tradition, not of a component of their culture, but of the assessment of the viability and the correctness of a particular set of philosophies, lifestyles, or circumstances. In other words, they say things like, well, I don't think you're really a Christian because you don't do what I do. Or how can you be a Christian if you do so-and-so? Or are you really a Jew if you eat bacon? Or are you really Islamic if you don't dress the way I think you should dress? Or are you really a witch if you're a part of this group and not a part of that group? And are you really doing hoodoo if you don't do it the Tennessee way? Or the North Carolina way, or the Floridian way, or the way they do it in Georgia, or Texas, or Baltimore, or Oakland, California. Are you really? Because I don't think you are. I think you're more whatever. Fill in the blank. Some little name. It's often not very polite. But the point is they've put themselves in charge of the group, the other. I'm in charge of you. I don't think you're my kind of whatever. And that might be true. And, quite frankly, thank God. But this spreads. This spreads into an entire way of thinking, and it becomes a, a, a divider, a wall between us, the eternal us, and the eternal them. Now, right about now, there's some jackass somewhere who's saying something like, yeah, well, we all just hold hands and sing Kumbaya motherfucker. I'm sick and tired. I'm not fucking saying that. Climb the fuck off me. 
I'm not saying we should all get along no matter what, and we should all suffer the slings and arrows of everybody's outrageous fortune no matter what they... I'm not fucking saying that. I'm saying who the fuck put you in charge of determining other people's interaction with things that you do not own exclusively? Who the fuck put you in charge of determining who is and who isn't a Christian? Who is and isn't a Jew? Who is and isn't a Muslim? Who is or isn't practicing witchcraft, hoodoo, voodoo, you name it. Now, if you happen to be in a position of power in some tradition, and you can say, I am a Catholic priest. All right, Catholic priest, you have a little more say about what is and what is not Catholicism, except you have above you cardinals, bishops, a pope, papal, ordination papal groups, papal bulls, the whole nine yards, as well as a vast history. Now maybe, maybe you're a part of a limited thing. Maybe you say, well, I'm a Baptist minister. Okay, well now you can say a little bit more about your faith and what you believe and the teachings of your church, and you don't necessarily have all that, but you still have a conclave above you. See, you can't act as an island and then still judge all the other islands. You can't say, I am myself. I answer to no one. I am I am this. I am the doorkeeper. I, uh, I answer to no king. I answer to no lord, no master, no group, no philosophy, no ethics, no moral, no standing, no table, no written rule. I am my, me, and I'll do exactly what the fuck I want, when the fuck I want it, and I'm going to tell you you're wrong. No, you can't. You, fuck you. I can do that, too. Anyone can do that. Anyone can set themselves up as some sort of little tin god. But it doesn't do any good, you see. So why am I talking about getting along with the neighbors? Because if we get along with the neighbors, then we have things that we can exchange. We have things we can learn from each other. I don't need to learn nothing from them. Good luck to fucking you. I am sick and tired of listening to people in this community go on and on and on about how they are perfected. They need nothing from no one. Oh, okay, well, if you don't need anything from anyone, The joys of blog talk radio, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, oh, yes. Blog Talk Radio, making sure that it's Amateur Night in Dixie, even if you set out to not have Amateur Night in Dixie. That I was making is this. You cannot set yourself up as an island and say you need nothing from no one. You are the power on to yourself and then say, but I'm important in this community. This community should listen to me. Well, why should we listen to you? You need nothing from us unless you're just here to make a quick buck or ruffle up the ego of your own feathers and be a prancing peacock, why are you here? If you're here to only give us your proclamation. Now, right about now, someone's going, now, wait a minute, isn't that a bit hypocritical? He gets on this show every week and does his little proclamation. Yeah, but the rest of the week I'm listening to other people. Yeah, this is my moment to talk. And I'm not saying everyone shouldn't have their moment to talk. I'm saying you should also have a moment to listen. You need to get along with the 
neighbors because the neighbors have something to offer you. You can sneer and say, no, they don't. That's fine. You can sneer and say, I don't want what they have. That's fine. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be a good guy. You can just be a terrible, shitty person. I don't care. There's no skin off my nose. But if you're going to be actively involved in a community, then for God's sake, try to make some inroads in your community, within your community, and try to build some bridges out of your community to other communities. That's what I mean when I talk about getting along with the neighbors. And check your damn self about which side of history you are on. Because I guarantee you, just like you are on the wrong side of history when you say, this, this technology's destroyed everything. You're on the wrong side of history when you say, I can't believe we're going to let all these goddamn gay people in here. All these goddamn black people, all these goddamn yellow people, all these goddamn white people, all these goddamn red people, all these goddamn city people, all these goddamn country people, all these goddamn book-learning people, all these goddamn non-book-learning oral tradition people. A little long sentence there. You're on the wrong fucking side of history. You may win for a day or a week. You may have your moment and your hour on the hill, but I am here to be one of those proud to tell you that you are on the wrong side. You are against the arc of history, and it will roll over your grave like glacial ice, leaving nothing. And in five minutes, five weeks, five months, five years, five decades, or five centuries, we won't give a damn who you were, what you said, or what you stood for. You will be an embarrassment to your great-grandchildren, your grandchildren, and hopefully your children. You will leave nothing. You, my friend, will have sown to the wind, and you will inherit the whirlwind. So it's time to start getting along with the neighbors time for us to start pulling together instead of pulling ourselves apart. And part of pulling together is not forgiving all the microaggressions, forgiving all the misappropriations, forgiving all the thievery, but addressing it flat out, up front, and saying, you've got to stop this shit. You've got to stop just coming in my house and stealing my crap. I don't do that to you. We have to start building bridges together, because we surely, gentlemen, if we do not, and ladies, if we do not hang together, we shall hang separately. Now, what do I mean, though, about keeping up with the Joneses? Well, this is the downside of it. This is the bad side of it. The keeping up with the Joneses is where, because our community sometimes lacks strength, because we do not always pull together, because we are often divisive within each other, sometimes we have this little game of constantly feeling the need to keep up, keep up, keep up, keep up. Everything's a battle about money, position, clients, supplies. Oh, so-and-so did something? I've now got to do it. He bought a car? I've got to buy a bigger car. He bought a house? I've got to buy a bigger house. 
not because we need a bigger house, want a bigger house, it was time to get a bigger house, or we just would be more comfortable in a nicer house. No, it's because the Joneses did it. Now we've got to do it. The guy across the street selling incense. So now I've got to sell incense. The guy across the street wrote a book. So now I have to do something. Or I have to put him down. That's the twisted part of this. Too often in our community, we do not have the philosophy that one wave lifts all boats. We have more the philosophy that one sharp knife can sink many of them. My boat will be just fine if I can sink everybody else's boat. If I shoot everybody else's boat below the waterline in their hulls, they'll all sink. Then I'll be the only boat. In fact, because of Archimedean displacement of water, my boat will go higher because their boats will all go into the water, which will push the water up, which my boat will be lifted up on the rising water that is risen by their sinking boats. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, thank you. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. See, together we could lift all our boats up. We're too busy trying to knock each other's boats down. We're too busy saying, why should I do that for them? Fuck them. Somebody has to start it. Somebody has to start it. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Seriously. I I'm a part of it. I'm happy lifting as many other boats as I can. I want to see as many boats have full sails catching wind as is possible. So we have to get along with the neighbors, and we must stop keeping up with the Joneses. Otherwise, we're never going to, like Jimmy at the start, otherwise we're never going to get across that cross-town traffic. And our community that we build will be vicious, destructive, insular, and nasty. If we are not careful, all we will end up creating is a town without pity. Oh, dude.
On Wednesdays, Andrea Weston's liquid libations pour forth to bless us with poetry, short stories, and spoken word performances. If you are a poet or someone who simply enjoys the beauty and power of words, then Liquid Libations welcomes your participation. Call in and read your work. Listen for Liquid Libations on Wednesdays from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And on Saturdays, Kai Armand broadcasts On Sacred Ground, a tapestry of our times, comprising history, ethnography, and shamanism, featuring the voices of the land and the deceased, aided by scholars, spirit workers, and environmentalists. Kai's show airs from noon to 1.30 p.m. Pacific Time. All shows on the LMC Radio Network are sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, located in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Add three hours for Eastern. Tax and license may apply. Train departure times and Burma shave signs subject to change without notice. LMC! Hello, friends. This is Patchy Fogg. Here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kit for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Why not stop on by and visit them in beautiful Forestville, California at 6632 Covey Road. Bring the kids They'll love to see the train set. Or why not take moments of quiet prayer and meditation in the world's smallest church there on the site? If you can't get there in person, why not visit them online at www.luckymojo.com? You'll be glad you did, friends. And remember, tell them Patchy sent you. Well, thank you, Patchy, and thank you to our chief engineer for bringing us those things each and every week. Up next, a little segment I like to call... Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery! That's right, the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, we're going to be talking about Jericho. Oh, yes. That's right. We're going to be talking about Jericho, Joshua, Rahab, and when the walls came tumbling down. Jericho! Down. 
And these spies went into the city in an attempt, they went, they snuck in, in an attempt to find out when the changing of the guard at the gates would be. So they could take the information back and tell the Israelite army, and then perhaps during the changing of the guard, uh, they could launch an assault of some kind and more easily seize the city. Now these two spies, while in the city, became discovered. Uh, it became known that the spies were in the city. And so the guard began to look for them, and they looked high and they looked low, etc. They did not find the Israelite spies because a woman named Rahab called out to them and said, Come here, come, come here, come hide here, hide in my house. And she took them in to her, quote, house, where there were a lot of reeded mats, an unusually large amount of sleeping mats, and she hid them under the sleeping mats when the guards came in. And so they were not discovered. Now, why did Rahab have such a large house that was well known by guardsmen and soldiers and have a lot of sleeping mats in it? Well, Rahab was a prostitute. She was a, a madam and she ran a house of prostitution. The spies ask her, well, why did you help us? And she says, because all the word has gone out, and I've heard all these stories that have come across the land down through the last few decades about the miracle of the release of the Hebrew children out of bondage in Egypt and what their God did there in Egypt and the miracles that were performed. And the fire that burnt on the mountaintop, and all of these other things, and I stand with the Hebrew children and their God. I, I would be as one with them. And they thank her very much, and they tell her, great, well listen, we're coming into this city, we're going to take this city, but when we come, leave a red cloth, or a red rope, or a red string, outside of your door, over your door, to mark your house in memory of the blood that was marked on the doorposts at the Passover. And we'll know this is your house. We'll tell all the other soldiers and all the rest of the Israelites, and they'll know this is your house, and we will spare this house because you have so greatly aided us and been so kind to us. They go out and they tell Joshua basically what happened, and they say, listen, pal, there's no way. The changing of the guards, the walls, thickness, there's just no way. Oh, by the way, there's this nice lady named Rahab. She's a prostitute. She helped us out, and she's going to hang a thing on her door so that, you know, we won't ever, we won't hurt her, but I don't see any way that we're going to get in. And Joshua basically kind of almost gives up, but God says, no, here's what we're going to do. I want you to go and get the Ark of the Covenant, and I want you to march it around the city walls, and we're going to go around and around and around seven times, and every time we go around, it's going to be uh, in the vanguard, in the vanguard, before the Ark will be trumpeters, and they will blow on the shofars, and they will sound the shofars, and each time we circle, they will sound the shofars, and when this has happened X times, then down will come the walls, and then you all be ready and rush in, and you go in there, and we'll have the city. So they agree, and they do this. They put all the trumpeters with all the shofars up front, and then behind them, uh, all the Levites 
carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and round and round they go, and down come the walls. Now, they rush in, they take the city, they defeat the guards, they go to Rahab, and they take her out of her house and bring her and her family out. They bring her to Joshua. Joshua says, why did you do this? She tells him the same thing. And he basically says, then you shall be of us, and you will be of us. And she joins with the Israelites and is spoken of throughout the totality of the literature as being a great and wonderful and worthy person and woman, uh, even later in the writings of Dante. And she is very much equated along with Jethro as being one of the blessed converts. Now, what has all this got to do with hoodoo? Well, the first thing you should know is that it is the belief of some scholars that the red cloth or rope being left outside the door near the window of Rahab's house is what then, during the early medieval period, became the basis for the red light left out before houses of prostitution, which is where we have red light district from, and how in the past the house of a prostitute or a bordello was marked with a red light. Which then, to some degree, fits into the whole big pot of why we even have a, a red candle for love work. So just, you know, all these interesting little threads. But let's talk about how we can start to use this. Well, first of all, let's say you have a situation where you have a blocked road. You need to engage in a, a road opener spell. Or you need to do a blockbuster spell. You need to bring down the walls that are barring you, that are keeping your way blocked, that are denying you what you need, or even a jinx that has been placed upon you. You could go and you could use sections of the book of Joshua, such as Joshua 6.12, or such as Joshua 20, to help break down the wall. Just as we've talked about in the past with restoring a man's nature, we can use Samson and the story of Samson and his last moment when the Lord gave him strength to pull down the temple. Here, too, we can use Joshua and the tumbling of the walls of Jericho, impenetrable Jericho that none would ever be able to get into. You can use with your work with a blockbuster or road opener or to even break or kill a jinx that you feel has been put on you that blocks you, you see, a wall that you can't get through. But that's not all. Because Rahab was seen as being a great worthy woman, and in fact, in the New Testament, she is listed as being within the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I kid you not. Many people will say, no, 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 this can't be true, no, 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 because they don't want to accept that somewhere up Jesus' family tree is a prostitute because they're really missing the point of the story. They're really missing Jesus' interaction with Mary Magdalene. They're really not understanding the reiteration of tales, the reexamination of ethics that's going on in these books 
and in these stories, they don't want Rahab to be in Jesus' genealogy, except they want Jesus to continue to be Messiah, and therefore Jesus has to be of the line of David, and therefore Rahab must be in Jesus' genealogy. Because if Jesus is within the line of David, well, let me tell you something. Who? Let me tell you who Rahab is. Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. Therefore, she is of the line that brings about King David. That's right, the great King David. Solomon, King Solomon the Wise, and Jesus Christ. So this moment in Jericho is very important. Very important. And it also means that she can be used in a number of ways. She can be used in our work if, as an example, you are doing work for, or you are a working girl, or a working boy. If you are a prostitute, you can use her name in your work. And just as she had the red cloth or rope before her door to protect her, you can set a red glass-encased vigil candle before your window or your door, A, to bring forth a customer who is beneficial and kind, or as part of law keep away. Wait a minute, no! You're supposed to use brown for legal work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except, listen to what I just told you about Rahab and the wall and the cloth and the red rope. You would use a red candle. Again, each and every week I talk about these things, and I would love to be able to spend a whole show just talking about this one subject, but we don't have that much time. What I'm here to do is to open a door and go, here, there's a hallway here, here, there's a path here, here, this is, you should go look at this. So as always, I encourage you, go, read the book of Jericho, read about the falling of, uh, of the book of Joshua, and read about the falling of Jericho, and read about Rahab, pray and look into this, because there is much, much work that can be done with just this incident that can be done with the spies, that can be done with Rahab, that can be done with Joshua, that can be done with the walls falling. Only for protection from the law, because remember, she hid the guards, she hid the spies. She hid the spies. But also her house was spared, also to do blockbuster work and road opening work, also to see an impossible goal done. Just as in Catholicism, one might talk about the uh, lighting and praying to St. Jude, which is, my understanding, quite profitable and wonderful. Here, too, you could do similar work in and around Jericho, because everyone said it couldn't be done. All right? So please consider that. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen, where... If you would like a little cream in your coffee, you can have a little cream in your coffee. Me, I'm going to put a little sugar in my tea. And tonight, I think I'm going to have some chamomile. Cream in my coffee. Sugar in my tea. You cream in my coffee, baby.
believe it or not, Piney Brown, that's right, Piney Brown, with sugar in my tea, cream in my coffee. Let's go on over to the kitchen and take a sit down. You might be wondering why did we uh, have Piney talking about tea? Well, we had Piney talking about tea because tonight we're going to be talking about chamomile. That's right, chamomile. And, of course, there are a number of different species of small, daisy-like, fragrant plants that have the common name chamomile. Uh, but the flowers of all are pretty much equally popular uh, to use in uh, tea, which is known to be soothing and, you know, to help sedate, uh, and as well as eye compresses and uh, to put on your forehead if you have a, 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 bad, uh, a bad headache. Although uh, some uh, prefer vinegar on a piece of brown paper for a headache. And I myself do. I'm not sure what piney brown would have uh, preferred. Chamomile flowers, and we're going to talk particularly about the flowers, are uh, protective, and they help to bring luck in money and in games of chance. So let's talk a little bit about uh, that aspect of them being protective for a moment. Well, you can take chamomile flowers and put them into a muslin bag, uh, what they now sell as a bath bag. You see these little white, unbleached uh, muslin bags. What I would call that is a tobacco bag when I was a kid. It's a tobacco bag. And you can put chamomile in there, and you can hang it up in the roof rafters of a house, up in your attic as an example, uh, or barn, and it supposedly will protect the house or the barn from lightning strikes. You can also protect children uh, from bad dreams using chamomile. And the way you do that is that on a Sunday evening you would bathe your children from head to toe in tea made from chamomile, uh, and if they have trouble later sleeping or they are still having some bad dreams, you give them a little chamomile tea to drink. You can also use it to take a jinx off of your money. You can carry chamomile in a mojo bag with alkanet and any other uncrossing herb, well, such as, let's say, lemongrass, my favorite rue, or agrimony. And uh, there should always be at least three kinds of herbs in the bag, plus three coins, and that's to help take off a money jinx. However, you can also use it to make uh, money drawing products stronger. So in other words, you could take dried chamomile flowers or chamomile tea and add it to any powder, bath, wash, oil, or incense that supposedly helps draw money, and they will be more powerful. We've talked about that before with frankincense, where you add frankincense to something to increase its power. But here, we're speaking specifically about money drawing, and we're using chamomile flowers or chamomile tea. You can also use it, your lover, more generous with money. Well, how would you do that? Well, you would add chamomile to any commercial or homemade love drawing product. 
You need an oil, a powder, a bath, a perfume, or a wash, or even an incense. As you do this, you would make a wish over it for your lover to be more forthcoming with money. All right, now wait a minute. You could also, now let's say that you have your lover. Let's say this relationship between you and them is somewhat illicit. Let's say that you're kept, a quote, kept woman or a kept man. You could do this exact thing we're talking about by adding the chamomile, and at the same time, you could set that red candle to Rahab. You see, you could do those together. Ah, the whole show threads together somehow. You would then go ahead and use the product as you normally would after adding the chamomile to it uh, to lay the love trick or to set lights, just as we spoke of. Uh, and if the spell does involve writing your lover's name on paper, use a dollar bill instead of paper. And if you're a working girl, working boy, or a kept woman or kept man, use a $2 bill. And then finally, and perhaps most famously, chamomile can be used to make a lucky hand wash. So what you would do is you would get oh, a small handful of chamomile and you would put it into boiling water. This could be the flour, this could be the tea. And you would let it steep for seven minutes. Now what did I say? Did I say nine minutes? No, brother, seven. Did I say five? Five is right out. Seven minutes. Then strain it and store the water away. Okay? And then before you're going to bet, you're going or or before you go to do dice. You're going to wash your hands with the liquid and recite the 23rd Psalm while concentrating on your desires and washing your hands. And, uh, you know, people who play cards or bet on slots, that also uses your hands, bingo, or dice, you know, they have reported that uh, if their hands are clean, that luck comes to them more readily. So, therefore, you will wash your hands with chamomile to bring in the winnings. So those are a few examples of how you can use chamomile your work and for various purposes. And as always, uh, some of the information we share each and every week along with our own comes from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African American Culture by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her so much for her allowance of its use on the show, as well as Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery by Miss McHale and myself, and we thank Miss McHale for her allowance of the use of materials from that book. It looks like right now we've got, do we? Okay, great, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I turn you over for a brief moment to the one, the only, Mr. Patchy Fogg. Hello, friend. This is Patchy Fogg here to talk to you about the 2015 Hoodoo Heritage Festival Hands-On Conjure Training Workshops this Saturday and Sunday, May 16th and 17th of this year, 2015. For the eighth consecutive year, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church is sponsoring their annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival in beautiful Forestville, California.
Won't you come and join presenters Charles Porterfield, Catherine Ironwood, Deacon Millet, Kyle Armand, Candelo Kimbisha, Elvira Love, Phoenix LaFay, Michael Batista, and other special guests for classes, hands-on workshops, and panel discussions in African-American folk magic, root work, and hoodoo. These classes will teach you practical tricks and tips to take your conjure work to a new level of confidence and knowledge. In addition to spell casting, they will also showcase mystery and magic of worldwide folk religions. Make your travel plans now, friends, so that you can attend this unique two-day festival of hoodoo heritage, African-American folk magic, and spiritual spell casting. Also, there's going to be a beautiful continental breakfast both days, as well as a buffet-style luncheon on both days, and then on Saturday, limited tickets for a special banquet. So get in, get there first, and when you do go. Thanks, Patchy. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Phil, Patchy Fogg, uh, still with us this week, while Johnny and Wilk, our, our, our Wink, are out of, the, out of the studio with that court situation. Very problematic, very strange thing going on there with the llama stuff. And... Uh, well, I'd like to just stay here and talk to you about the llama situation. It's really quite intriguing. We've been keeping up with it here in the Denton Record Chronicle. That's our local paper. Uh, but I just can't because uh, there's just no more time. I mean, I'd like to go on. This is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. I leave Fort Worth, Texas, and go to Texarkana, and don't back to Fort Worth. Come on down to Dallas, to call Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the door. Thank you. 
Let's 